What's up everyone and welcome to episode 110 of the Just an Inside podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. I hope everyone's doing well, had a lovely week since we last spoke. Uh, I myself had a wonderful time, I was in Berlin for the last few days, Uh, got back yesterday afternoon, so Sunday afternoon as I'm recording this Monday evening. I was just there having a little mooch around, but I was mainly there for Mr. Stars Fest, um, which predictably was a lovely time. Um, Saw some awesome bands, saw some old friends, made some new friends. It was just, yeah, really, really cool time. Uh, Got to hang out with Ryan from Closer and also Matt from Amitier. I hope I say that right, Matt, if you're listening. Apologies if I've butchered that, but yeah, both former podcast guests. Um, so it was really cool to, to see both of them and hang out properly, uh, especially with Ryan because they're just an absolute babe, and Matt because I haven't seen you since Fluff, my brother. So yeah, it was it was a cool cool weekend. Um, just a few little uh, highlights from the fest: Soul Glow, Closer, Weak Ties, Republic of Dreams, fucking all of them absolutely smashed their set. Um, and yeah, Mr. Stars seems to be becoming another another staple for me now. It's just a, I, I love little fests like that where it's all really inclusive, um, just such a super chill vibe. There's no egos. Everyone's there because they just want to have a good time and listen to music. Um, and yeah, so it looks like if things all go to plan, that will be a regular stomping ground for myself along with fluff fests in Europe now. So. Kudos to Alex and the rest of the Mr. Stars crew for organising such a rad weekend. Um, speaking of Fluff Festival, I'm not sure if I've actually mentioned the the lineup that's been announced thus far for the fests, but holy fuck. Uh, Ceremony, Thal, The Body, Torso, so many more cool bands. Um, yeah, I just can't wait now that the, the lineup's actually been announced. Um, and it's worked out that in the month of July I will be seeing three of my favourite hardcore bands ever in uh, Converge, Have Heart and Ceremony so that's going to be fucking sick because then by the end of July I will be able to die a happy 30 year old (laughs) seeing all those bands in the space of about four weeks so yeah that's going to be pretty cool Um, in other festival related news, um, Ready Fest here in the UK they just announced that the break-in will be doing a reunion set at this year's festival. Um, now, if you're unfamiliar with the break-in, they were a really cool straight-edge band from Kent here in the UK. Uh, I think they broke up maybe mid to early sort of 2000s. I can't, I can't remember, but yeah. Um, but they had like some really cool records. Um, but yeah, Ready Fest have announced that they'll be back for for the festival for a one-off doing uh, their record in full which would be pretty cool so looks like Hardcore Fest are are back over here in the UK we've obviously got Outbreak that's well established Upsurge that lineup is just ridiculous this year and last year it was a really cool time it's just unfortunate with the clash with ATG this year Um, and Ready Fest as well and they were kind of stagnated through the year as well which is really cool so yeah Hardcore living strongly in the UK. 
Um, I'm going to stop blabbering on. I'm going to get our guest on because this is a fucking rad chat and I was super stoked to to chat to my guest who is sect vocalist Chris Collahan. Um, we discuss as always what it was like growing up in the punk scene for Chris, what it was that got him into sort of punk and hardcore. Uh, we touch upon his days of seeing Cursed and Burning Love. Um, and we also discuss what direction sect are looking to be going in for the elusive third album which my understanding is recording very soon um i did chat to to chris uh about a month ago now maybe i've just been waiting for to for the right time to put this one out but um it was just as sect came off tour from japan so that's how this conversation starts is me talking about that so just to give it a bit of context but yeah please sit back enjoy the chat that i have with chris and i'll see you on the other side Joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is sex vocalist Chris Collahan. Chris, thank you very much uh, for joining me. Um, I guess a good place to start as ever is as you've just come back from there. How was Japan? It was amazing. It was amazing. It's a paradise on earth. For <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you like stuff or you collect things or you're a record nerd, you're dead in the water in Japan. So oh, I was. Good. I I'm, loved it. <laughs> I was going to say, if, if that's the case, I'm not going to Japan then. There's going to be... Tricky territory oh, for me. My, my record collection's already too big as it is. I know. I got it confined to one wall of my house, but it makes it feel like it's not like thousands of records because it's more or less off the floor. But yeah, <laughs> be, be really careful if you get there. Um, you're gonna find some places like Disc Union that are five five floors high. And oh no way! Scratching the surface. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. But oh yeah. They're also on tour with our band apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was awesome and. The kids there were really hospitable and really nice to us when we toured. Uh, we played with Earth Crisis. We share a guitar player, and we did the the tour with them, and it was really so fun. It was great. Because had you had you been there prior, or was this your first time over? No, it was my first time. Uh, Cursed was supposed to go later the year we broke up, so yeah. we never got there. So it was my first uh, first time ever getting there. So was it a bit of a, a culture shock? Because I know people that have been there, and they say like obviously western civilization and, and compared to even though japan is very technologically advanced there's there are massive culture shocks um i didn't find that so much i studied chinese uh in university oh awesome same. yeah but i've been i mean i've been to like south china and hong kong and that was culture shock to be kind of immersed in japan was a lot more it was pretty i mean western i want to say western formatted but you really notice the things that make it unique but yeah. not not to, not to the point that it felt really strange in the bad way i was just in awe of the design of things and the utilitarianism of everything there yeah um, it was very it was orderly in a <laughs> interesting in a way that i didn't hate yeah yeah that's fair enough well as i mentioned before i kind of hit record um the show is called just an insight i like to take my guests right back to their their kind of origin story so to say um, so how I like to kick things off is to ask my guests what their first exposure of alternative music was. So what kind of exposed you to alternative music then, Chris? I, I can't say the very first thing. I mean, um, as a kid, kind of hearing some things that were, I could tell were off the beaten path and mm. being interested in things that weren't, you know, that weren't the story I was getting. Um, and then I I just really by chance as a, as a kind of an isolated um, person, <laughs> an angsty teenager without a particular friend group, 
um, I just kind of lucked by, by chance of some friends I had, um, a friend that a friend of mine was dating, um, that dragged me to uh, like a hardcore show. Um, but I, prior to that, I, I really liked a lot of things that seemed like they went in different directions. I liked everything from like the specials to the clash to like Steppenwolf. It was all kind of when you're like 15 years old and it's, you know, that, that time, um, everything just kind of came at me and I just absorbed a lot of it and I didn't ever really put any one of them down for the sake of the others. Yeah. Um, but I definitely liked things like the clash and, and that, and then, and the sex pistols kind of flagship thing to get into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that goes from anybody you're around. That's like, if they were into Metallica through anything, they just figure out what pisses parents off in your your hands somehow. But from there, um, I mean, there was record stores that kind of went on my own. I didn't really have any older siblings or friends that, you know, the big brother story where someone ends up with his records. I, I just had to go to a shop and I grabbed a pile of things that looked really cool. And, uh, to this day, they were all pretty formative collection of stuff. It was like, the, I mean, Crass and Minor Threat and The Exploited, Foreskins, a, a whole like weird mix of things, Black Flag, stuff that looked just contrary as yeah. to me. Um, yeah, and it just kind of all went from there. And then, like I said, I had a friend uh, that was dating this guy that was uh, uh, one of the vegan straight-edge dudes. But, you know, early 90s version, they weren't. Uh, it wasn't so regimented. It was just like it, this person, at least, was just a really interesting person that liked a lot of the same stuff I did. Yeah. Um, so it dragged me out to some show that really, in retrospect, was like high school battle of the bands kind of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, that was it from there. It was a very small kind of circle in the, the city I was in. Um, really, just about a dozen kind of crucial people. It, it sort of went around through all those years. Um, but I mean, I'm still here today because of that one summer. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I owe it a lot, you know. So you you say that like you didn't necessarily have like the the older sibling story, but obviously somebody had kind of exposed you to to like the Pistols and things like that. So who was kind of showing you those, those sort of earlier bands? Oh wow, there was a guy. I went to a Catholic high school before I had to get the hell out of it. Right. Um, <laughs> Southern Ontario. I went into high school in the 88, I think I started. Um, it was really, it's an interesting, it was an, it's an interesting place at an interesting time. It was like a, a sort of post-industrial Rust Belt-like city yeah. just outside t- Toronto um, where those factories had kind of like half closed down. It was sort of economically depressed, um, but just has sort of a chip on its shoulder that doesn't really check out. <laughs> Never really did uh, proportionately to that. Um, but I don't know. Um, you end up with, you really need to be part of a group where you get sort of cannibalized. And I was just sort of in the middle, moved a lot. So I didn't have the same circle of friends for right. a long time up to that, to that point. Um, so I don't know. There was at the Catholic high school I went to um, first before I left, uh, there was a guy named Tim Shime. Oh, no one ever asked me this question. And they never had this answer. <laughs> but there's a guy named Tim Shime. And he was uh, one of the guys that was always like stealing and getting in trouble, right? Being, being bad. And we were—I was playing drums. I grew up—I mean, I grew up playing drums, I guess, at the beginning. Um, and we jammed, jammed out of my basement with this guy that was definitely a punk rocker. Uh, and he wrote songs about Nancy Reagan having one boob and not, <laughs> not, not caring, just like you know, fifteen-year-old like. Uh, Sex Pistols fan logic sort of things but yeah I don't know I gotta say probably Tim Shime wherever you are in the world now maybe dead don't know (laughs) yeah probably responsible for like maybe the Pistols part or something that went 
I took it from there. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you say kind of like discovering music on your own, going to like record shops. Like I think, like a lot of sort of like younger, uh, sorry, like older generations, sort of when going to record stores was kind of more of a a common thing. Like like myself, like you'd kind of be swayed by album art, and that was kind of like what influenced you. So was that kind of where you'd kind of picked up sort of like the like crass and and minor threat, or had, had you kind of a hundred percent going by. I mean, vaguely knowing what some of the things were, but for sure things like the exploited. Crass, it was it was penis envy, I think, uh, and or feeding of the five thousand were the first couple that I had. But definitely the vibe of the art, Crucifix, Wisconsin was another one. Just stuff that seemed like very challenging and you know, stuff that would make like Catholic parents cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Black Flag, it was my war. So it was like the puppet. It was the Pettibone cover. Yeah. Yeah. Minor threat. You know what's crazy? Thinking back to record stores knowing that those things are what I just happened to grab on the rack of stuff that was like $6, it pains me to think if I could go back in a time machine and see what the hell was up on the wall behind the counter. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember there was things, you know, like uh, originals of Misfits, um, Minor Threat, things like that, that seemed like $20, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, I don't know. Not going to get that wish, but I wish there was <laughs> ma- magic mirror that I could see. Holy shit, what was that? And, anyway, and then kind of in terms of sort of I guess getting into like uh, well obviously Minor Threat and, and Black Flag kind of were, were that way leaning but kind of getting into the more sort of hardcore sort of element of things like something that I think everyone has that sort of maybe like one band that they kind of gravitate towards more than more than others so was there kind of like that one band that you sort of latched onto and you thought right this is my identity this is who I want to be um, I think it was probably like an amalgam a custom mix of a few things because for sure crass really hit it on the head for me yeah um and then other similar i mean things in that same vein like the subhumans the uk subhumans um definitely i was you know at a point and i think probably most of us are when we're that age too where you're kind of you're looking for arguments to to, to hear (laughs) how they you know what i mean are you looking to hear how those things really play out that you 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 have a good sense from your instincts being young that things don't really check out around you, that things don't make sense, and the power is skewed. You don't exactly understand the workings of how and why. So you, I think you get towards really, I mean, a combination of stuff like Black Flag that's really just kind of fuck you-ish, and then stuff like Crass that's really didactic and really argumentative and mm. really lays things out. So uh, mine would, I think, probably a mix of all those things. Yeah. And like I said, things like the foreskins that just like happen to be in the same pile some stuff that just throws another like an element like a wild card in it all yeah um and american hardcore too like i mean black flag i guess is similar and stuff like void uh i don't know like things that are sort of intellectual on one side and then on the other side just kind of have like the anger and accidental wisdom of youth (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think it's a mix of that that i always probably steered me the whole way through present yeah and you mentioned obviously kind of starting like off like jamming drums and things so was that kind of the instrument that you were initially drawn to or had you kind of dabbled with anything else and then settled on drums where did that kind of come from um probably just aggression drums. <laughs> yeah. i don't know um yeah I, I just played drums i never got really great at it i did it for you know i could still do it i've drummed in bands like up through through the years but just really simple kind of stuff yeah um i just ended up singing i don't really remember how that came about 
I've only ever I can play I mean like a guitar or a bass to kind of translate an idea that's in my head yeah. enough to make really bad like you know riffs to like a bandmate <laughs> yeah. directly only to a bandmate if nobody's there um, but I can't actually play them for shit so I can drum though which I think is a lot of what like singing I probably approach it as someone that grew up around um, like rhythm rhythmic I don't know like phrasing and stuff I think I probably think of more in a in a drummer's mentality than I realize yeah well before we kind of get into you actually like being a vocalist and things something else that I always like to, to ask is kind of the the scene that you grew up around obviously you kind of mentioned being taken to that essentially a battle of the bands kind of show when you were younger but what was because is it Ontario that you grew up in yes yes yeah. I was born in Toronto okay uh, and this is Hamilton this is about an hour away right so what was there kind of much of us like a scene when you were growing up or did you have to travel to kind of go to shows how how did you kind no, of start to sort well, of dive into it uh, yourself well that just sort of led to other really like small DIY shows um, within the city I didn't right. really get very far at that at that age I didn't get very much farther than Hamilton then eventually a couple of years later to shows in Toronto because people would come into Hamilton from here from Toronto and and backwards um, no there was a really good history of punk in Hamilton um, Teenage Head if you know that oh yeah uh, yeah yeah that's where Teenage Head is from Forgotten Rebels for better or worse uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things from Ontario and Hamilton in particular that, that are really that were really cool but they weren't at that time you know that's like the equivalent of us and something now that's like really young that's sort of connected but not really connected so mm. it, I mean there was some old, older folks still hanging around from that but it it really was its own kind of thing right and it was mostly just like a, a few people that were kind of steering it that had seen outside of the bubble mm. and kind of on on a similar note as in in terms of sort of picking up music for the first time going to like a live show was there a particular gig that you sort of went to maybe like a, a a bigger band at the time that you thought oh shit this is kind of what i like i need to be doing sort of thing yeah i would be lying if i didn't say that that was rollins band nice and uh on end of silence and uh corrosion of conformity i think maybe just before or during blind it was like 92 yeah um i'm not sure if blind was so yet I feel like it was a vote with a bullet in the mix. But yeah, that was a show that I came into Toronto for that definitely felt so huge and sounded so good and was like my, I don't know, in my category of aggression yeah, um, and fun. And it was a little bit scary because I was just <laughs> like a runt, you know? Yeah, Still yeah. Still am. Um, yeah, <laughs> so for, for sure, for bigger shows that, um, there was a Bad Brain show some things like that that were just like I was just wide-eyed with wonder at them yeah that's, still am <laughs> I think that's the thing like you kind of mentioned sort of like being terrified I think there's that kind of like element isn't there of like you're in awe of, of this band but also like petrified to your bones but you can't look away sort of thing yeah for sure I mean that feeling in your stomach like it's oh, something bad's gonna happen when you're young and you don't really know how to handle it I really I miss that and I like on occasion when that happens and you have to just kind of watch out and be on your toes. I, I kind of miss that. As much as that's I mean, a little bit terrorizing of a, an audience when it gets super like uh, masculine, but yeah. I think that there's. I don't think that's always the case. I think a lot of things are like volatile and wild that don't have to be like tough, but definitely make you realize like the urgency of something. And you know. And then obviously, if we do if we get onto sort of you being a vocalist. Obviously, you mentioned starting on drums, but was it? 
just sort of circumstance that kind of brought you to to being a vocalist or was it something that you'd wanted to do um maybe of my friends that i was playing music with i was like had more more like to scream out literally right okay so i think i don't really remember how that was an active decision because it was the same like friends that i've been kind of jamming with in my basement um no i don't know it just kind of i think maybe seeing those shows or seeing that kind of battle of the bands show i realized that i this is like exactly up my alley and yeah. it probably was part and parcel with you know messages and arguments and wanting to i don't know vocalize literally your frustrations just to try to hear them out for yourself mm. and i think that's probably why i ended up kind of like writing and, and ended up screaming yeah and obviously throughout your kind of musical career right up to sex there has been kind of like a a political underlying of, of the messages that's, that's been put across whether it is actually politics animal rights or, or any a variety of subjects so yeah. was it kind of like from an early age that you kind of realized that oh i can i can like interweave political views within music and use that to sort of put what my views and my my message across sort of thing i think so and again going back to stuff like crass i mean those are things that challenged i grew up in a like a christian house Mm. um you know so things that immediately challenged that like what is the point of that is this really you or is this what you're born into and made to repeat until it sounds like it makes sense to you um so I, yeah, I kind of always the two were always one and the same. And the hardcore shows I was going to too it was it was just luckily such a moment that people were. I mean, this is like ninety one, ninety two. The first things I saw, um, well, ninety two when I first played a show. So probably like, yeah, somewhere between ninety and ninety two. Um, people were you know very much questioning and all about questioning every aspect of your socialization in your mm. world. And I was very lucky that that was the moment because, you know, these things kind of go in waves and sometimes things are all about just being kind of dumb and fun. And sometimes they're too about being too smart <laughs> yeah. and, not, and not fun enough. Right. So I was very fortunate that it was just uh, the right mix of both. And mm. I kind of always associated the, the, that perfect mix with the whole thing. Yeah. And I just want to touch upon because you said growing up in a, in a Christian household, obviously, I think from an outsider looking in if they were to just kind of look at the aesthetic of the bands that you've been in have kind of portrayed and things they maybe not necessarily think that you came from a christian background so (laughs) so was that something that you quite quickly actively thought no this is not for me i need to get out or were you quite sort of embedded with that to start with and then as you sort of became sort of self-aware that you realized oh no this isn't for me that's oh that's a good question um no, it was it was deeply embedded. You know, that's why your socialization screws you up. It's like becomes it mixes in with your own head until it feels like this is something that's your life, and it's not always the case. Um, I have just like a single mom, mm. and so I don't know. I didn't. It, it was pretty harsh. I mean, people use religion and it works for them, and I understand why that yeah. works for people. You know, as a system to put something of the world around you that doesn't feel like it has any gravity into so i don't know it's like a symbolism for a different way to say the same things i think i'd probably say yeah um so i i don't mean to sound patronizing but i understand why people use it more than i need to just endlessly kind of spite the fact that they use it it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's universal right and i ended up studying at school uh in university i was in chinese and i was in uh like philosophy of religion right okay and 
and like psychology of religion. So I really was always curious, even when I, yeah, immediately realized how much bullshit a lot of the things I grew up on was. I still always wanted to know, um, but how does that work? You know, since I can't answer those questions, yeah. And that that being wrong doesn't mean that I I can say another thing that is right or that anything is right or wrong beyond life. You know, that more than anybody can see. Um, so I was still curious, but not on any level that requires anything metaphysical or yeah. supernatural. You know, like it makes people tick, and I, I'm still you know trying to reason that out for myself, not just like to tell everybody else this is bullshit. <laughs> you have to figure out. You have to know for yourself why something is or isn't bullshit. And if I don't agree with something, it doesn't mean it's fucking wrong for someone else if it helps them somehow. I think it's just like most of the world religions, if they were just as simple as like live well and don't fuck people over, which really is the kind of the basic root of a lot yeah, of yeah. philosophies. If that was it, that'd be great. <laughs> and then, you know, in terms of kind of you sort of performing, so to say, obviously, I think a lot of people's maybe first exposure of you was with Left 4 Dead, but were you, what was your kind Dude, not, of... not a lot of people's exposure was to Left 4 Dead. Okay, <laughs> about, okay. About, about 55 people were exposed to Left 4 Dead, probably <laughs> over a year and a half at the time. Okay, well, maybe ret- retrospectively then, but w- yeah. w- were you doing sort of anything kind of before that, like maybe sort of like anything just like mucking around with, with tech, like what you wanted to do, or was kind of Left 4 Dead like your first proper band? No, I know I was mentioning like the people I grew up in high school with. I I played... Um, prior to that with friends from high school and it was just like a rudimentary version I guess of what I'd do later on yeah yeah and then like kind of getting into sort of Left 4 Dead cursed sort of thing was it just a case of that was the sort of sounds that you were listening to around that 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 you wanted to kind of go in that sort of heavier darker direction like what we what was kind of going Um, on in your life at that time uh, dark things were going on in life. <laughs> uh, Left 4 Dead, um, I mean, a lot of those bands, Left 4 Dead is, you know, years apart from Curse. Yeah. But at the time, it wasn't, I mean, there was really a few of us, um, Jeff that was from Chokehold, um, and Zach, that, that first friend I had that brought me to that first show, um, our friend Phil, who died later, who played bass in Left 4 Dead. There was a, a small bunch of us, and Curtis that drummed, there's a small pack of us kind of hanging around and it was really um, a couple of years after most of the scene around there had kind of bottomed out or moved on because um, really we were all in high school. So we mm. had that usual thing where people get a little older and drift. And so it, we were really, we liked the stuff that we liked, which was a mix of good eighties things um, stuff, you know, like Slapshot through infest yeah. 80s, but late 80s, I guess. Um, you know, a mix of things that were sort of, I guess, at the time. Yeah, I'm. We loved everything from crossed out to sort of like tongue-in-cheek, assholeish humor-infused um, but serious bands like that. So we just wanted to make that. There wasn't particularly many people around that cared. It wasn't, <laughs> no, it wasn't. I mean, in retrospect, it could seem like a big deal or a cult band, but it's it was very small. We hardly left a couple hours of radius of uh, where we were from. Yeah. But we just wanted to make fast, really simple stuff, and we recorded it in like one shot, and it was good enough, and we moved on. Mm. That that was really it. And with Curse, by the time we got to that, that was a couple bands later. But it was sort of the same. We liked the sounds that we liked. Um, and that was everything from like you know Dead Guy or Damnation to Entombed or Disrupt, and those also at the time. I mean, it, this is like 
there was a few months between the end of the swarm and the beginning of cursed and that was three of us that kept playing together yeah um all the stuff we liked wasn't at least yet uh, really ideal within hardcore so there there was never a shortage of bands and friends to play with but we weren't around a lot of bands that sounded much like that and again mm. it was sort of like later on you could say one thing of it but it wasn't much of a deal at the time yeah and in terms of that like was cursed kind of the first band that you were off out touring with or or had you kind of done that in the interim uh the swarm did it um the swarm had done it not not obviously as much as curse got around but, mm. um i think this i mean left for dead we went to montreal once and yeah. otherwise it was just different a couple places that within two hours of hamilton um no, really, Cursed was the first that we really did, like, months and months and months and years of tour. Yeah. So what was that? Because I always find, like, talking to people that they have different sort of perceptions of tour and, and things like that. So maybe with, with The Swarm, like, obviously going on your first tours and things, what was your... Did you have any kind of preconceptions and did it live up to that or was it completely different to how you, you thought it would be? Um, You know, it's... I, I always forget that this, in retrospect, has a lot to do with it, explaining it now, but <laughs> yeah. all those, no, all those festivals that happened in the mid-90s, we had a lot of, like, fests right. that were, you know, like DIY, uh, these crazy days that would have somehow, like, 150 bands on it, but it would be anything from, like, ass-suck through Lifetime in, in The Locust or something, like, all in one show. Okay. Um, so that was really cool because stuff that would make no sense (laughs) like picture the ass up playing and then the promise ring playing and then you know something else that that just made sense you know like it was different sounds but everyone was in the same room doing the same thing and all those scenes would later on splinter off into like these totally different things Mm. um but going on those road trips with friends to that in a couple years before that they probably broke us into the realities of you know sleeping on a floor and what, pretty much what tour felt like yeah just a kind of bo- bohemian stretch of days mm. so i didn't i didn't have any expectations of anything bigger smaller shows were always <laughs> yeah. just like a room of you know a room of kids and they still are it could be like 30 people in a vfw hall it could be a basement it could be a big old show in a club and it, it's all good yeah you know? and without so i don't want to kind of obviously relive the history of cast and things but obviously Hey, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned obviously that when you kind of started out, there wasn't necessarily that sound in hardcore. But obviously nowadays there is a lot of bands that you can clearly go, oh, but that's influenced by Cast, sort of thing. So has it been like retrospectively kind of odd looking at it from that from those point of views for you, like saying, well, to me this was just my little band, like I never expected someone else to, to rip off our riff sort of thing mm. well shit um no i mean if, if it sounds like the things i like maybe if those bands don't realize they sound like cursed trying to sound like disrupt so, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if i just pretend that that's a band that sounds like hey disrupt or something to me then cool just cut myself out of the equation but, um, <laughs> yeah. but I, that was i mean uh, christian our guitar player and mike our drummer it was all of us you know and a lot of stuff that he wrote um i definitely can't take you know, responsibility for that. Sound. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the mix of what we all kind of came out with. I can only really speak to playing it and writing, you know, my part in it. Mm. Um, no, I, 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 yeah, you're right. It's the thing, just like Tragedy had a million post-Tragedy, post-Portland-sounding bands. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think most people that go that way, if they're 
if that was their only jump off point, then yeah. hopefully it's just like a bridge getting them to, you know, further back than bands like ours mm. to the things that we were liking in the first place. And you know? is it kind of like, because obviously nowadays everyone has access to thousands of bands at just a click of a button sort of thing. And like, I remember obviously I was sort of growing up when you, when Curse was around. So I was very much kind of of that sort of, era but is it strange now that there's maybe kids that would never have had the opportunity to see you guys live but are just discovering cast is that kind of a weird sort of element to no it? oh i mean i'm i'm gonna be 45 at the end of this year mm. so no because i mean that's just like you you're you you hit whatever point you hit when, when <laughs> yeah. you're, you're born when you're born and whatever happens to be there is there you know um like when i was coming into music and hardcore it was the tail end of a lot of things like a youth crew wave yeah um so some of those bands were kind of still holding on but making the last couple of things which really weren't the same as the first ones you know like 991 versus like 87 for bands like that yeah um but i mean that got me there and then worked my way back from there so i know it's kind of the same for kids now it's i mean if your <sighs> band's been broken up for over 10 years now so when we started yeah there's kids that were being born (laughs) (laughs) so it's for sure not their fault that that they got towards like things that they like the sound of hopefully they're just thinking it out what they like about it and why and yeah find more more things from there yeah i can't really help i i try not to look up at things like that because i know it's really special that you can be in a room of people that are 16 or 60 and it's all within our world you know we make a really interesting world for ourselves yeah where we can all cohabitate and it's all there's no power there's no you know credibility isn't just a given and i don't want it to be either so i don't know um i try not to think about it just because i'm awkward enough <laughs> and i don't want to feel like separate from a room of people i want to feel like dissolved into it yeah yeah you know so i don't like anything that can feel a little less self-aware is is easier no that's yeah. that's fair enough and and obviously like the got the way the curse obviously kind of ended was was quite well publicized in terms of ending on the european tour and things like that but yeah is there kind of a part of you that kind of wishes that you'd maybe done it right in terms of kind of maybe having a last show or do you feel like in retrospect like oh no that that ended at the right time in my life and uh, things moved no forward. that ended in an absolutely fitting way yeah no i wouldn't rather us i mean we we were very far past the point we should have <laughs> let ourselves get to like interpersonally and in lots of ways as things were finally kind of clicking for the last like 20 percent of our lifespan is as you know when it was going in and very much in another direction internally um so it was terrible the way that everything went down and uh we all kind of paid for it in different ways through the years after that like it took took me quite a while to absorb it Mm. um it was sudden and it was terrible uh, but i don't think i'd rather have known it was coming right okay oh excuse me just just as a matter of something you do for a week or something you do for 10 years it just that's always been a thing with hardcore uh, and definitely the way I like to look at bands is just like you take them for what they are uh, for when they are mm. and you just do the next thing you know and it's it can be really hurtful because those are people that I played with going back to that first battle of the bands you know those people that were part of curse that were part of my life since then yeah so it was it was a much larger for me in my head than just letting go of that band but really like a, a 
closing the door on a whole chapter from, yeah. that went back to the very beginning for me. Mm. And then kind of, I guess, on to the, the next chapter, well, that was a lot of people got drawn towards was obviously Burning Love, which mm-hmm. was very musically very different and kind of obviously with your vocals quite different as well. So was that a, a, a term of like, right, Cursed is done, I need to do something that is not completely different, but far far away removed that it's not a cursed ripoff, so to say. Do you know what? That's a really perfect assessment of it. Yeah, we actually, <laughs> it started the year before. Oh, okay. Overlapped, overlapped at the last year or so of Cursed. But I very much did want to do something that was not, that was the polar opposite of a, a vibe and didn't, even that like, terrible name, it just was like not tough, it wasn't dark. Like I wanted to challenge myself to make a different kind of noise or mm. use a different part of my head um, than just the like the paranoid angry person, which is yeah. kind of like he's very real, but it's like a not great place to just hang out in all the time. <laughs> yeah, so, I can imagine. Yeah, I did want to remember something that was a little more fun and like the punk side of stuff. Mm. Um, so I was playing, uh, yeah, with some guys at the time that were a lot younger, um, and they had all played together in a band called Our Father. But it was it was neat because I mean I take everything as sort of an experiment and I mean no matter what it is including sex you know like how I don't like having much of a plan it's just like something comes to you as it does and you make something out of it yeah together you know what I mean you throw all your stuff in the same pile and whatever comes out is really your your thing you know every time mm. so I didn't the burning love was the same it, I mean no one wanted to hear that when they wanted to hear cursed sounds yeah. You know? Um, but I was really happy we did that, and it was it was really fun. And they were their frame of reference was stuff like Hot Snakes. Okay, cool. Um, you know, and mine might have been more like the Wipers or Black Flag, and so we you know threw them all. And those those things really relate to each other well. So yeah, we did. It, it was really fun, and I wish we'd done. I wish we'd kind of done some more. But in in kind of terms of like being that sort of separate end scene, wanting to to sort of, sort of pull yourself away. Like, did you kind of find that a challenge in itself? That I guess because you'd been doing Cursed for for quite a while, at, but by that point, like to kind of switch up your pace and sort of change how your sort of approach to music was, or did you manage to kind of almost simultaneously slip between the two kind of thing? Um, I think that I always thought I was doing something vastly different, right? And it was really like five percent different. In my <laughs> Still, I don't have a ton of range, or I always think I'm really going to go out on some kind of a limb, and then I just go back to like fuck. You know? <laughs> I think that must be mostly what I have inside is just fuck. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> And obviously, Chris like... Callahan, angry fuck. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's the tagline. And <laughs> um, obviously, then. Look, Obviously, when Burning Love kind of started to get a bit of momentum behind it, there there was always kind of, I guess from a a media point of view, there's always going to be that Chris Callahan ex cursed sort of tag on it. And I read somewhere that that was something that you were not a fan of at all, and still to this day kind of maybe don't necessarily like. So was it quite hard to kind of break away from that? And have you kind of eased up on that a little bit or not so much? I never did like it. Um, I never did like it. You can't be too grouchy with people about how they do it if they're the booker or a flyer or yeah. know, someone that's a label because I guess you have to make it work when you're them. You know what I mean? You have to make a record. People have to have a frame of reference. Yeah. Maybe that's what, what gets them there if this is 
you know, there's a lot of things I like that I wouldn't have known if it wasn't, you know, the person from this trying this. And I know I like the way they think or what they, how they do their thing. Um, no, I just, I don't like the, the idea that you're like trying everything. Ruination got this too because it was just like, there was friends of ours. Andy Demps, um, he was from Earthmover. See, I name dropped an old band. <laughs> he wasn't even trying to be the guy from Earthmover, but that's how I knew. Um, I mean, him and Ebro, the Pit and Crudos, and Charles Bronson. Yeah. But again, uh, Andy had filled in for Christian on a Swarm tour. Like, things happened very organically that way. We weren't trying to be these people from these bands because at the time there wasn't a big deal. Everyone just was in a hardcore band, you know? Yeah. It still, still is. So, uh, you just kind of mix and match with who's around you and what you want to try and do. I just think it's sort of a disservice because then people expect it to be something and then it isn't that. Yeah. And I don't know. I think everything is a different, is a collection of like four or five people's ideas in combination of music. So uh, if it gets somebody to a show or to hear a record, then great. I just don't like hanging on that. We did with Sect. I think we made some terrible joke like featuring future ex-members of Sect <laughs> like with all of us. <laughs> Because it doesn't represent what our other bands sound like, but it's a mix of them all. Yeah, yeah. And before we kind of dive into to Sect itself, I, I do want to talk about, obviously, the kind of other side of your life and sort of your, I guess, your business mind, so to say. Because, obviously, how, how long's Vegan Magic been going now? Oh, God, six dreadful years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm as bad at business as I am at hardcore. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it... I've read somewhere. Is it true that the the kind of idea of it kind of stemmed from from being on tour? Yeah, hundred percent. From like uh, vegan kids in the Carolinas back then making me soul food. That would things that would have like lard and you know like in it, and coming home and wanting to try and like realizing I could make stuff like that. Uh, you know, just MacGyvering home recipes together to try and approximate something that I couldn't ever eat. Yeah, you know, and that was it. It wasn't really like a plan as a business. It was just something that, yeah, that I came home from tour, messed around with some different, I don't know, like shortenings and spices to see if I could make something that tasted like lard. <laughs> um, so I could cook collards and kale in them, try to make something taste like some people in the Carolinas that cooked me. Yeah. Uh, and then it just kind of went kind of wild. So, uh, so went with it. How, so how did it kind of go from, from because I'm not business savvy in, this, in the slightest, oh. so how did it kind of go from essentially... A DIY project to what it is now to um, a bigger DIY project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I know I had a friend with a, a bakery um, just down the street from me with a vegan bakery, and I made it. It was like the fall or early winter of 2013, and I think it was just a little bit like stir crazy. Um, and it was really just like a, it just felt like a funny, fun thing to try and do, and I made like two dozen of them on my kitchen stove and took them to my friend's bakery yeah um for fun i guess for fun i don't know just just to keep busy try something out um and i didn't ever have like social media or facebook or anything Mm. um and she did and she stuck it up online and i guess it went like all around so the next i walked back in there like how to go with the 24 jars of stuff and she was like dude you sit down (laughs) you have to to quit your job Uh, people that want to like get this and distribute it and, and all those things like you have to get a, a patent and you could do this for like a thing to do so i i've never had a real game plan for jobs because of you know hardcore and bands and yeah. being able to just take jobs that i can sort of put down and pick up and then have to work around the fact that this is my life 
Um, so, you know, the thought of something that I could do that is in line with ethically with the way I like to live and might offer people, at least at the time, you know, like six, six years ago through now for veganism is, was a really different world. Oh, yeah, definitely. 25 years ago, you know. But, um, I mean, it was a thing that really wasn't out there. So that was legit was one more thing that somebody could use this instead of that. So it ended up getting to lots of like, not just like punks or whatever, but people's dads and people back in the South and the U.S. and people that cooked like traditionally like black you know, like food that was, but vegan, mm. it was turned out to be really applicable. So I didn't feel like a bullshitter because I really do not like, I don't have a business setting and I wasn't very good at it, but I, I had to navigate, um, everything from like food safety to running a company to logistics of, you know, importing and border stuff. Um, and I did it really fast cause it maybe it just seemed so surreal and like kind of a joke and I'm glad because I could not do that again now. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't figure those many things out. It's just been too wild of a ride, yeah. but it just happened. And then it was just distributed and it just kind of got wider and wider, but it was still really just like me and my wife helping me and my friend Andy in Buffalo kind of helping me. I was just mailing it out, like crossing from Ontario into Buffalo and like physically mailing it one by one to just across the whole U.S. for a long time. And then ended up with like a corporate distributor, uh, which was a really bad experience. And then at the same time, like an independent, which is someone I still, now I just work with them. Okay, cool. Wholesale with them. So I've got it down to the least amount of things I can do without fucking them up. <laughs> so, uh, it just sort of runs itself at a really low setting like that. And I forget to update the whole world about it or post things online Yeah. for a year, for a year at a time. It's just it's there <laughs> if it's there. Take it or leave it. I can't answer too many more questions without breaking my brain. But no, that's cool. But like, so it was just kind of circumstance, like, so happenstance that it was in this bakery. It kind of went wild, and then it blew up from there, sort of thing. Yeah, total happenstance. That's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. And then, obviously, in terms of kind of, I guess you as a as a creative kind of person, obviously you've done sort of bands and things, but you've got sort of other kind of avenues and stuff that you sort of double in as well so is it just a case that you are always wanting to do something that is is creative or is it just as you've grown older you've wanted to try different things how how these these different avenues kind of come about uh i think i've dabbled in a lot of different stuff uh photography through you know graphic design um you know food sort of this incorporates all of them yeah i'm always making you know labels and stuff and i just kind of make them like i would a record like a punk record i'd be laying out um i i don't know i i, I do like need a vent all the time whatever yeah. it is and I, I like to try to switch it up and get outside of the things that i not repeating myself too much or trying different things that are on a bit of a limb you know yeah. so i'm not i'm not really particularly versed in uh, personally i never got too far with anything like art other than as it relates to punk things you know just like mm. things i did for myself cut and paste zine kind of things and i did some photos and you know shows um you know writing is the same we've done it for so long with writing for bands that, yeah um uh, been doing more of that i have a friend here uh that runs a press called permanent sleep that publishes a lot of my things so i'm trying to get some more writing done um and yeah, art, I'm currently trying to figure out if I can take on a kind of a piece for the cover of the new sect. Oh, awesome. Trying to fig- yeah, I'm trying to do like a collage and digging back into my old favorites from John Hartfield through like Yves O'Shea from Crass. And I don't know. Yeah, just trying to go back back to basics and see if I 
got what it takes. <laughs> or, or if I'm going to ask a, a good, a, a real artist friend, of mine, <laughs> do it instead. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I have trouble. I have trouble being things. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm, no, I, I can, I, mean? I can totally relate to that. Like, I'm kind of the same. So this, this very podcast started because. I used to run a blog and I got bored of doing the blog. So I thought, oh, I'll do it in audio format. And then right. I just kind of taught myself all of that. And then last year I picked up a camera for the first time in 10 years. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start taking photos again. So I, I can totally relate to, to where you're coming yeah. from in that aspect. Are you a, are you a photographer and blogger? Uh, I, I don't like to say I am because I don't think I'm good enough. But That's exactly how I feel with everything. Like I don't even when someone says that someone's a musician, I'm like, I don't even know how to identify with that or a writer or a photographer, yeah, or an artist. Like I don't, oh, I don't know. I don't think I'm any of those. Things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I just I just see it as a hobby. To be fair, that yeah, that some people seem seem to like, which is good. Yeah, it's a good bonus. But honestly, whatever you do, you should do it in a way that you just like are happy hearing yourself or seeing yourself do. Yeah, exactly. Regardless, you know, all those bands are talking about all day. At least at the beginning, they weren't. A big deal and you know sect included you start from scratch and you take what's there and you see how it goes and it's not grandiose like you do it because you love it yeah and i think that's the same way with photography or art or anything you do you're kind of talking to yourself you know because it it's a bit obnoxious if you think about it you're asking the world to see things through your eyes yeah yeah that's very like, true and it's the same with writing so you're sort of having a, a dialogue with yourself. So yeah. you have to make it a, a, an engaging one if nobody cared at all. As much as if everybody's up your ass about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you can't, I try not to look up in either direction. I'm not going to not do something if someone doesn't like it. I'm going to try not to hopefully play towards it if somebody does like it a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And then if, if we kind of move towards sect a little bit, obviously one of the things that is kind of very out there and, and sort of obvious for, for the band is that it vegan straight edge band and something that I always like to ask guests that are straight edge is kind of what their their sort of path into it was because myself I'm straight edge so I like to kind of get other people's story so what how were you kind of exposed to it and, and what kind of made you decide to, to claim edge um I, I think I'm probably kind of atypical I don't know, not atypical, because the more I hang with everybody and get to meet, I mean, I've just never really run in, like, vegan straight-edge circles intentionally. Yeah. You know? Um, I kind of, they cross over, for sure, and now we really are, but I was <laughs> yeah. in, until my 40s, I love that I'm just now in a band like this now, you know? Um, because it, everybody else, I was running on a lot of misconceptions of that world, too, until being, you know, such so tight with everybody through doing sect yeah um so it's taught me a lot about and the, that group of the people that like it i mean traditionally through the 90s there was like a lot of shitbirds hanging around that world you know yeah there was a lot of really like kind of machismo and a lot of really dogmatic um sometimes religious things that i that's what i was getting away from in yeah hardcore to begin with but at the same time again um like owing to the exact moment i came into it Straight Edge was also mixed up with like the ideas like anarchism and questioning all the things you grew up with, and like religion was was one of those things, and so was like substances, and so was television, and so was media, you know. So for me, it, it was all like, what can I do? What's what's in my life that's taking power away from me and putting money in somebody's pocket? And that goes for religion as much as it goes for you know like Jack Daniels. So, <laughs> yeah. 
So that's always been the way I've looked at it. But in the bands we played in, I mean, like the swarm at the beginning, everybody was straight edge and everybody was vegan too. Um, but it was never meant to be like, this is this kind of band. And yeah. This is only for these kinds of people. But because I think anything you do is just for everybody, you know, in a room that you're playing in a bar, you're not, I try not to just be talking to the kids that are up front that already know why and they know what straight edge is, but sometimes there's like an, an old dude wrapped around the bar that happens to just be there, you know, at the back of the room and could get just as much out of what you're saying as everybody that already identifies with it. Mm. So, so, um, it's really, I don't know. I think it's, it's powerful for people to be able to question the parts of your culture that just steers you towards your own disempowerment. You know, yeah. And I have a really bad moderation. Like I, I was coming into hardcore. There was a lot of straight edge kids. Um, they were sort of jockey. Like the people that were cool to me um, were exceptional. Like Jeff Beckman and Chris Logan, the Sang and Chokehold. Um, people that were really nice to me. A lot of the greater crowd sort of vibe me out. <clears throat> and I was like a weird punk kid at show. Um, and I was smoking cigarettes outside a Chokehold show. You know, <clears throat> but. I made my changes at my own speed. Right. For and I didn't crank into that gear like now I am this. I don't <laughs> yeah. like, I don't like the thought of that and I don't like to be part of that for somebody else either. So like I don't need to be surrounded by people that all think the same. I, I get more out of being in a room with people that think a little differently. So um I like playing in this band now because ultimately that's how I've lived all this time. Yeah. In lifestyle terms. I don't like it limiting you know either your crowd or your audience or the things you like so that's really my only reason but that at the end of the day i'm kind of like the, the last person from my world of that things that still is mm. so it's something that that i owe it a lot in my life yeah so i really i've really enjoyed everything with sect because i was running on this idea of what a vegan and straight edge scene was like that was really 20 years out of date yeah and there's a lot of like anarchist queer gender non-binary like there's a lot of kids that are not like i would have you know the challenge the way i thought about that world and uh that's like exactly what i want mm. to be around so something different a good mix you know that you're i don't know and we mix it up with bands that we play with so we get vegan straight edge bands and we get just kind of medley bands and yeah. punk bands and hardcore bands and that's that's all i want i just i mean i want to make music and ideas for people period yeah and i guess onto that with with sex i think because obviously i remember sort of hearing about the 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 band was kind of formed but nothing had been released into to the world at that point obviously being a fan of of your previous bands being a fan of andy's being a fan of earth crisis I i was obviously instantly excited and then when kind of the music came out it was kind of very much like oh this is what these guys want to do like it kind of it was like, as you say kind of you, the preconception is going to be like oh is it going to sound a bit like earth crisis is there going to be sort of uh cursed influences and, and things like that but it was com- it was none of those things and i think that was a perfect kind of no this is a a band that stands on, on its own yeah so what but obviously in those kind of embryonic stages obviously you guys all live in different places was it just a case of like we want to do something we want to record we'll get it out and just see where the land of the land lies and see what happens or had you kind of talked about plans of where the band was going already no never like to make plans before (laughs) you know 
before it really gets there. I think we were all, I mean, it was mostly Andy that brought Sect together. Okay. Andy and I had toured. He was playing in another band um, that was on Southern Lord and at the time Burning Love. We all did like a summer of a tour. Oh, okay, uh, cool. Mart- Martyrdod and Black Breath. Um, it was a really fun time. But yeah, we were talking about doing something on the side um, with Greg uh, that, yeah, played in Misery Signals in childhood. Um, he ended up not being able, but Andy had also toured and filled in before uh, for EC. Yeah. And him and Scott and Jimmy had talked about playing before. And I had crossed over, like I'd seen Earth Crisis played in my friend's living room when I was, back then in like 92, there was a house that all the shows in Hamilton, um, just this crazy tiny room, like, a, you know, 20 people fit in a living room and we crammed 50 into it. Mm. But so many bands came through there, which is insane now to think of, um, like Unbroken and uh, EC, uh, Undertow. Awesome. A million bands that now is like, holy shit. Really <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mayday, all kinds of wild bands. But, um, yeah, it was like two different project ideas. They were both Andy-connected, kind of all came together into one thing. Uh, so I, it's, it's really Scott and Jimmy um, that write. Yeah. So they, you know, but at the time, it was the first that I'd played in a band that we had to, you know, like email tracks back and forth. And I mm. think all those guys have way more experience or had way more experience doing things that way. Um, by necessity for how far they live from their bandmates. Yeah. Um, so that was my first at having to like get a bunch of songs, write my stuff to them, you know, send this back to them. Um, but we've now, I mean, this is going to be our third LP. So we've had the experience of playing together and the advantage of seeing like what really rolls and what works and plays the best, like yeah. live and how it feels. And Scott and Jimmy are able more and more to write towards that to what what's worked best so at mm-hmm. first we had to really like approximate it and just try it you know we had to get together in raleigh and we thought we were making a demo um and that turned out to be the first lp and it was the first time all of us were in the same place okay yeah like we went there um i was really really nervous i drove down from ontario to north carolina just to i mean we jammed for about two days and then this was the weekend um we started recording it and it just ended up being, yeah, the LP. That's awesome. So it was just like, okay, go. <laughs> <This is laughs> See what happens. And we did. And kind of in terms of, I guess, maybe that sort of ethos of not having sort of particular plans in place sort of thing. Obviously, with the second album coming out, like, obviously recording with, with Kurt Ballou, there was a bit more of sort of a, a press push behind it. And like there seems to be a bit more of a, a thought process kind of going through it. And obviously there was a claim once it kind of came out. So was there then a kind of a shift of gears of like, this has gone from being just a project of jamming with friends and seeing where it goes to, Oh no, we need to actually treat this as, as a band or, or is it still very much kind of a, we'll see how things go. We'll pick it up and just see what happens. Uh, I don't think we ever shifted gears okay. at all. I think it was probably both of those things. Like we have to see where it goes as we go. Cause yeah. it's the only way we can do our thing. Yeah. You know, with everybody's uh, obligations and life things and their distance. Um, we're very productive for a band that's in between two countries. Two <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we do something like pretty consistently every six or so weeks for the last, now it's been like what, four years maybe now. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I think we just have to, we get better at doing it, uh, but you have to be together and you have to put the time in around each other, you know, to, to get there. But no, there's there there was nothing ever where we thought like now it's serious like we we took it as seriously as we do now we just refined playing it yeah you know and Scott and Jimmy writing it and in terms of kind of where sort of sex lies I guess in sort of your musical kind of career so to say obviously I, musically like as I say like vocally is quite sort of different from what you've done before but it's back to that kind of more ag- aggressive sort of landscape. But I, th- I don't know, maybe just because my ears have matured, like it also sounds like you've kind of finally found a ground where you're comfortable of, of more saying what you want to say, if that makes sense. Would hmm. you agree? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that I'm ever comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I'm really, I'm bad at, I'm bad at comfortable. Um, I definitely really like I missed playing really aggressive sounding things like that that were just like tuned down and were loud and low yeah so I really like it definitely makes me write from a different part of my brain that I'm you know familiar uh, and goes back to the very beginning just like the cynical and angry but hopeful but angry yeah side of me which definitely I mean thinking about the reasons for doing that and the reasons that those, that music was ever kind of powerful not not ours but I mean everything in the history of you know hardcore and punk and everything like that um, this is definitely such a moment where all the reasons to, to want to talk about those things and criticize things it's very crucial and very you know it, it would be kind of crazy not to be talking about things that are happening for real now that always yeah. seemed like perceptively possibly about to happen and now they're really playing out mm. so now it's sort of the time where you can't stop doing it or wouldn't want to stop doing it now um so no i really appreciate that that's that's where we're at now that i'm being able to play in something loud and and angry and i don't know argumentative (laughs) yeah Yeah. and you mentioned obviously lp3s kind of in in the work so to say so are you able to give any sort of tastes as of direction is it going to be a a follow-on from from no cure or have you kind of been sort of pulling from different sort of inspirations where, where have things been going with that um well you mean in terms of music or writing or which uh, in terms of writing in terms of like sort of like your perspective of where where the record's going um well i can tell you my perspective for what i i, I kind of intentionally wanted to theme um the record around um was the ideas of uh Slavery, okay. and exploitation of people, uh, of like animal and human slavery, and yeah. Just the connections between you know e- ecology, um, species, and people. And I mean, we're living in a moment where just the extremes of what happens when authority run writes all its own rules and really writes off the suffering of people. Yeah, and we're seeing how horrifying that is, and kind of looking at like what's underneath that, and always has been. Which, if you're a vegan, you know, and you're also like a, a progressive person in terms of like your values on people, uh, there, you know, violence against something that gets just rationalized and socialized as being normal and acceptable, it, it's going to inevitably lead, you know, the things you can contain in cages and torture and not want to look at pictures of how terrible it is mm. because you don't want to feel the guilt that, you know, you live in that same world and part of what you do or buy um, feeds into it it's one thing leads to the other so it's definitely a pretty crucial time i mean we're going back 
not just like 50 years, but you know, feels like 2000 right now. Yeah, so yeah. Just like, like warring tribes, and there's power, and there's you know, people just going back to just encampments, you know, all yeah. over the place every day now in real life. It's not like punk saying, you know, if we keep going this way, this has the seeds of fascism. Now we're like, yeah, we did it, and we're 10 steps past it, and yeah. we're looking at <laughs> yeah. it as if it's not really happening, or if this is not going to, it's only going to go so far and then no further because something's going to swoop in and stop it, and nothing's going to stop it. So um, that's a lot of what I wanted to write about Yeah, because it's just like I don't know how you can not right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's a lot of my my angle as far as I have one for for writing for this record, cool. and the songs themselves are really killer. Um, Scott and Jimmy's songs are a lot more fast. There's a lot of fast. Awesome. Lot of blast. I, I'm yeah. I'm fully on board with that. <laughs> nice. Me too, man. Me too. That's that's home turf for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess well, in terms of kind of fast, obviously the next time we're going to be seeing you over on our shores here in the UK, be tour on tour with converge of see playing quite sort of bigger venues that maybe sects have, have normally played when they come over to europe so i know obviously you've had the opportunity to play sort of festivals and things like that but within sort of the sect world i guess is it kind of are you viewing this as an interesting opportunity to kind of maybe put your band in front of people that maybe would never have listened to you or how are you kind of approaching this tour um, you know, touring and playing with Converge is always really fun because they, uh, they're really good at mixing, mixing it up, Yeah. you know, and the people that listen to them generally are pretty like op- open minded, you know, like they, they draw a crowd that's, they're, they're still partially like an experimental kind of band, I think Yeah. as much as they're like the top of their game for the kind of music they play. Yeah. Um, so there was a, there was a tour in 2000 and I think five, um, with, that Curse did with Converge and Terror and Mare. Yeah. Um, and it was so fun because I've known the Converge guys for a long time now um, and having worked with Jake and Deathwish too, but knowing Kurt to record with them and Nate has been a friend for a long time, all of them, Ben, um, they're really, really good to be around for, for tours, especially because, I, I mean, Curse or Converge, Terror, us and that band Candy is one of my favorite new records. Yeah, for sure, that for recent that record was fucking killer. So good, good to feel. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. So I'm just stoked to be uh, playing with them. But yeah, of course it'll be good. More people will be in front of it. I don't ever know if that's what that ultimately means. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it can't it can't hurt. If more people like it. Cool. Um, if no one else likes it, I'll just try to do it the same way. <laughs> but it's an opportunity at least to hang with like old friends and catch up. And yeah. sometimes those are people I only see now through doing that. So I know we've been talking to Jake for a while about trying to do this um, together, but it takes like a year or two sometimes to even line up the opportunity when everyone's got so much going on. In yeah, life. yeah. So I, I can't wait. We're all really stoked. It's going to be the first time I've ever been on a bus for anything. Oh, wow. Okay. But it's, I mean, like, all a bunch of us in one tour, which yeah, is yeah. the way that you just have to do it. So um, I'm a weird sleeper, so I'm going to try to keep to myself, <laughs> not keep anybody else awake at 4 a.m., no, pacing, <laughs> pacing the bus or something. That's fair <laughs> enough. Um, I'm trying not to take up too much more of your time, Chris, but how I like to sort of wind things down is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So what is your favourite sect song that you like to play live and why? Oh damn, 
Damn. Well, Sinking, <laughs> uh, the song Sinking, yeah. um, always, I probably that one the most, because it seems people always won't come up and talk. It's about, like, a friend, uh, losing a friend to substance abuse, but it's not, I mean, like, we're talking about it with Straight Edge, it's, I appreciate this band because I get to write what I always thought, like, what would be my version of that song, and this yeah. is that, which is, like, it relates more, just as much to straight edge kids as it should to anybody that works in like mental health or outreach, or anybody that isn't straight edge or was and yeah. now isn't or never was, and they could see something that's useful and whether whatever they have to call it, you know, recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I always really enjoy because it always gets it's really personal to, you know, somebody at the bar or someone that's a straight edge kid up front. So for that reason, I'd probably say yeah, sinking. Perfect. Chris, thank you very much for your time this evening. Really appreciate it and really looking forward to seeing you guys in London. Thanks so much. Please come up and say hi. Yes, will do. No worries. Take it easy. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah, you take care. Bye. So there we have it, folks. Thanks again to Chris for taking some time out of his day to have a little chat with me. Um, as mentioned during the chat, Sect will be touring with Converge, Terror and Candy over here in the UK and Europe uh, at the end of June, start of July. Um, so there'll be a list of dates in the description of the podcast. So if they're playing anywhere near you, highly recommend going and check them out. Um, as always, you can also keep up to date with everything that Sect are doing sort of band-wise by visiting all their various social media platforms. Again, links will be in the description. Um, that is it for another week thank you again as always for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i'll see you soon